0: Hello to my fellow humans with True Crime Obsessions. Welcome to the very first episode of Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. My name is Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. Uh, today we're gonna look at Eileen, or Lee, Warnos. Uh, she's called America's first female serial killer. Uh, she was portrayed by Charlize Theron in Monster. Uh, I'm really excited to get started. Let's go, cue the music. cannot even begin to tell you all how excited I am to really start all of this with this podcast and I can't I can't believe it's happening and I can't see, believe I, I don't know I'm just so excited to see what it becomes I've really always wanted to start a, a podcast and right now it just feels right a couple of weeks ago I had this thought and I was like okay maybe I'm just being impulsive which happens and I was like I'm gonna give myself two weeks and if I'm really seriously so committed to this I'm gonna, I'm going to go for it. About a week ago, it'd been two weeks, and I was like, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. What am I going to call it? Wait, how am I going to actually do this? Can I do this? And I just kind of really put my brain to it and I ordered a mic and a headset and then realized that my MacBook is 10 years old and couldn't even do the most up to date. Software so I was like oh crap and my husband is amazing and he bought me a new laptop So I could do this. So I'm really really committed to this at this point Um, I really love true crime For as long as I can remember even before I really even knew it was called true crime uh, I've always loved watching documentaries about prison gangs serial killers all of that Uh, I think it's just like so outside of what I've experienced in my life It's just really exciting. I think And makes me think about the psychology of it all and how those people's brains work. I think it's just really, really interesting to me. And I'm really passionate about giving too often, I feel like the killer's name is said more than the victim's names. And there's some cases that people just have been given the worst worst cards in life and i think that's really really a big thing in this case that we're going to talk about today she, horrible horrible cards in life not that what she did was not horrible and wrong and but just i think that those things just kind of all add up eventually um also just i want to bring awareness to those cases that are really underrepresented and underreported because those people deserve to have closure, especially if they're, they're cold cases. So as far as the dog mom piece, uh, I have a nine-year-old pup named Rory. I recently did an Embark DNA test on him and he's actually 50% Pitbull Staffordshire Terrier, hopefully I said that right, um, 23% Chihuahua, 15% Dachshund, 8% Pomeranian, and then 4% Mini... Miniature Pinsier, I think that's how you say it, I don't know. Um, He's quite the mix of things, but wonderful regardless. He's really buff, um, but he's 35 pounds and has short little legs and his feet bow out in the front. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, and, he, he, you know, I've always thought he was part beagle and bulldog because he's just really strong and howls a lot. But it was really cool to see all the different breeds and, you know, how he was made. And, you know, in a where do I saying it? And, you know, I'm sure I'll add pictures and, and videos on my different socials of him because... I have a lot. Uh, um, I got him the day after I graduated with my bachelor's degree, and he really has. He's been my baby dog ever since. Uh, I still cry when I take him to the vet, even if it's a a standard checkup appointment. Um, And I'm sure I'll have stories every single week about him. Have no fear. All right. So let's actually get started with our case slash story slash craziness for the day. Um, so Eileen Warris, I think I'm saying that right. Um, I'm gonna call her Lee pretty much throughout the entire uh, episode. I've really been always aware of the case, right and and I've never really gotten into the details details until i I really did, started doing my research for today. I remember watching the movie a while back, the one with Shuri's theron. Uh, I think it was like two thousand three, um, but I made sure to rewatch it um and man, was it incredible? the acting was really great. The, the, the way that they did, um, uh, makeup, they, I mean, they really made her look just like her. Um, so Eileen or Lee, she grew up in Rochester, Michigan, which is crazy because I'm also from Michigan. Uh, she had it real rough as a kid. Uh, her mom was only 16 when they had her. Um, in 1956 uh, she never met her real father uh, he was in jail and ended up uh, committing suicide uh, he had been convicted of sexually assaulting a seven-year-old um, and then in 1969 he ended up committing suicide um, when she was just four her mom abandoned her her and her, her, and her sibling and left him with her parents um, which unfortunately were both so her grandparents actually ended up adopting her um and she they actually kind of thought that they were their actual parents and they ended up finding out when i think she was like 11 um which is that's first trauma right Uh, second trauma right she got abandoned her dad killed himself lots of stuff kind of crazy But now at 11, she started doing sexual favors at school for cigarettes, drugs, food, money, etc. And then at home, she was also engaging in sexual favors, activities with her brother. And then also being sexually assaulted by her grandfather. And then that abuse was known by her grandmother, but ignored. She ended up getting pregnant at 14 after being sexually assaulted by a friend of her grandfather. Uh, She had the baby when she was 15 and gave it up for adoption. Uh, Not long after giving that birth to her baby and the adoption being done, uh, her grandmother or her mom, as she thought, you know, for a long time passed away from liver failure, which I'm sure was a result of not doing great things for her liver with all of the alcohol. He ended up dropping out of school, um, which then led to her grandfather uh, kicking her out of the house. This is when the sex work began. Um, That's how she supported herself. Um, I mean, talk about a rough upbringing, am I right? It's also thought that this abuse, lack of connection that she had with others... I have a lot of history. Um, Back in my child psychology, I used to be a teacher and the lack of connection with others your family adults other kids and everything is detrimental to your development and from what i understand she has a wicked temper and i, and I witness that even in the different documentaries that i've watched she has a very short fuse so this lack of connection the abuse everything the abandonment from her mother that is actually thought to be linked to her later diagnosis of borderline personality disorder so from the mid-1970s to the mid-1980s lee has several runs ins with the law including dui disorderly conduct car theft resisting arrest obstruction of justice and then even some various like gun charges oddly she actually got married at some point to 69 year old I saw some sources, too, that said he was 70, but a much older man than him or her. He was a yacht club president. His name was uh, Louis Gotts Fell, Um, and she met him while she was hitchhiking down to Florida. They married not too long after meeting, but things didn't really last very long. It was reported that Lee hit Fell with his own cane which then ultimately ended up in a restraining order. The end of the marriage got it annulled, you know, after just nine weeks. And around the same time of the annulment, Lee's brother died of cancer, and she got $10,000 from his life insurance. That next month, Lee kind of went a little crazy. Uh, She got a fine for drunk driving, so she paid that off with that money that she had gotten. And then she just went... She kind of went crazy, started buying a bunch of crazy stuff, you know, a lot of luxury things that she probably never experienced in her life before. Um, One of which was like a brand new car um, and she actually ended up wrecking it not too long after getting it. In the late 70s, the mental health, all of it kind of caught up to, to Lee and she actually attempted suicide by shooting herself in the stomach after some bad breakup with a a man and that was actually not the first time she had attempted she had actually attempted suicide six different times between ages 14 and 22 Lee continued to have run-ins with the law and actually was in jail from mid-1982 to mid-1983 for armed robbery of a convenience store where she stole a total of $35 and two packs of cigarettes in 1986 I feel like this is something thing time right to things got bad right turn for the worst as if things weren't already going super super bad uh that's when she met tyria moore at a gay bar in daytona beach called zodiac lee had actually been in a relationship with a woman before but mostly she did like her sex work with middle-aged low to middle-class white men they pretty much quickly moved in together and Lee was supporting them both with her sex work. Uh, eventually, down the road during her trial, she described her relationship with Tyria as it was love beyond imaginable. Earthly words cannot describe how I felt about Tyra. So they were together for a few years. And during this time, there was no killings or anything. You know, in the movie Monster, they kind of talked about they were trying to hustle, that they were trying to do better get things better for themselves. I don't know if that was just for the movie, but I couldn't find a bunch of information about what happened during those years. So from late 1989 through late 1990s, that's when the bodies of seven middle-aged men were discovered in Central Florida. The assailant had robbed all of the victims before shooting them to death and stealing their cars. So the first victim was a shop owner named Richard Mallory in 1989. He was 51. White man picked up a prostitute. At that point, they didn't know that it was Lee um, along 75 in Florida to engage in sex for pay. Lee claimed that Mallory beat, raped, and sodomized her after he drove her to an abandoned area for the sex work to happen. Uh, Mallory was Lee's first victim and... She later, you know, claimed that she killed him in self-defense. It was also brought up during the trial that Mallory actually had been convicted, attempted rape in Maryland. They kind of used that to try to strengthen Lee's case. It didn't ultimately work, spoiler, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, after the murder, uh, a, a deputy sheriff found Mallory's abandoned car and then... In December, his body was found uh, several miles away in a wooded area. He had been shot several times and two bullets to the left lung were found to be the cause of death. Lee's next victim was David Spears. His nude body was found in June of 1990 in Citrus County. He was a construction worker, 43 years old. He had been shot six times in the torso. A few days after Spears' body was discovered, Uh, the body of Charles Carlston. I might've said that wrong. I apologize. He was 40 and he was discovered in Pasco County. He was a part-time rodeo worker. He had been shot nine times in the chest and stomach. And in June of 1990, uh, Peter Sims left central Florida and was heading to New Jersey. And his car ended up being found in Orange Springs on July 4th of 1990, His body was never found, um, but two witnesses did describe two women near his car in Orange Springs after they had been in an accident. This was kind of the beginning of the end for the whole situation. She has a few more victims, but a lot of the evidence in Peter's car and some of his personal items were found at pawn shops and they were kind of the things that ended up getting her caught in the long run. Next victim was Troy Burris, a law enforcement officer found the body of Troy, He was 50 years old, he was a salesman, in August of 1990, less than a week after he had been reported missing. His body was fairly decomposed at the time that it was found, but a medical examiner was able to determine the cause of death was two gunshots to the torso. The next victim was a retired Air Force major, police chief, and Florida child abuse investigator. His name was Charles. He went by Dick Humphreys. Uh, he was found dead in Marion County in September of 1990. Body was fully clothed, and he had suffered several gunshot wounds to the head and torso. Uh, and end up, his car ended up being found in uh, later at in Suwannee County. The final victim was Walter Antonio he his body was found partially disrobed in November of 1990 he was in a pretty remote part of Dixie County he had been shot four times in the back in the head and then his car ended up being found five days later in Brevard County Walter was her final victim and that was late 1990 and so then in early 1991 she actually ended up lee actually ended up being arrested uh at a local bar like biker bar uh, on an outstanding warrant Uh, she told the police that she had killed her lesbian lover but they did end up finding like a rented storage shed that she had a key to that had clothing cowboy boots watches toolboxes suitcases that literally belonged to everybody that bodies that they had found um they actually The police ended up finding Tyria Moore the next day in Scranton, Pennsylvania. She agreed to elicit a confession from Lee in exchange for immunity from prosecution, which is like, I feel like the ultimate betrayal. And we'll get into a little bit more about they kind of ignored her involvement. Like she knew about she was suspicious of what was happening, but they didn't do anything about it. And that's why she wasn't with her anymore. So she wanted immunity from the prosecution. So Moore returned with the police to Florida where she was put up in a motel. And then the police kind of guided her. She made several phone calls to Lee pleading for help and clearing her name. A few days later, Lee confessed to the murders. She claimed that the men had tried to rape her and she killed them all in self-defense. That'll kind of come up later as well because there's a lot of kind of like conflicting stories, it kind of goes back between self and self-defense and I did it because there were bad kind of situations. So we'll get into that a little bit more. So about a year later in 1992, the trial began for the murder of Richard Charles Mallory, which was her first victim. Normally, previous convictions are not admissible in criminal trials. Uh, there's a, a rule in Florida, it's called Florida's Williams rule. But the prosecution was allowed to introduce evidence uh, related to her other crimes to kind of show that pattern of illegal activity. Her defense made as many efforts as possible during the trial to introduce evidence that Mallory had previously convicted of the attempted rape in Maryland that we had talked about. And he actually had served a maximum security correctional, like in a facility, providing remediation to sexual offenders, which... I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and he was committed to, for treatment, observation resulting from a criminal charge of assault with intent to rape and received overall eight years of treatment, quote unquote, from the facility. It was observed that Mr. Mallory, he had possessed, possessed sociopathic trends. Uh, however, the judge refused to allow that record to be admitted to in court as evidence and um Ultimately, that was kind of trying to be used to do a retrial. um, And that never really got, was never happened. The defense also argued that Lee's statements in that videotaped confession were obtained involuntarily. And kind of in, you know, in violation of her right to due process. So, despite the fact that she had been advised of her Miranda rights and provided with a public defender who advised her to not make any lengthy statements law enforcement exploitation of her relationship with Moore um you know to obtain that a confession kind of it impaired her mental state right and level of functioning because she didn't really understand her rights and her advice of counsel because she was talking to you know this person that she was madly in love with trial court ultimately rejected that argument and denied the defense motion to suppress that that confession in the in the trial Unfortunately, the videotaped confession had already been leaked to the media, and that influenced the public's perception of Lee pretty badly. And Lee always, you know, claimed that it was self-defense when it came to Mallory. You know, she had asked, or she had offered to perform an act of prosecution, sex work with Mallory, drove off into a really isolated area. They drank, they smoked some marijuana, and they talked for a long time, and... About five a.m., they started to have sex, and he didn't have enough money to pay for her. So she went to go get her clothes, and she was like, "You don't have my money, I'm out, right?" And he ended up like getting a cord around her neck, threatening to kill her, like, and said like like the other sluts I've done, and tied her hands to the steering wheel. You know she lee said that she violently raped her um and you know took pleasure in her cries of pain eventually he she got untied and was told to lay down uh she thought he was gonna kill her so she really started struggling and you know he was saying you're dead bitch you're dead Uh, at this point she found her purse removed her gun so they end. they were fighting for the gun lee got the best of him and she ended up shooting him he kept coming after her despite all the warnings so she just kept shooting him even more that was kind of her story when it came to him against her attorney's wishes lee testified in trial she had the constitutional right not to testify and the prosecution could not call her to the stand Um, however once the defendant testifies any refusal to answer questions can be held against her by the court and jury. So, you know, during her testimony, she repeatedly claimed, you know, claimed that it was self-defense. When she was being cross-examined by the prosecutor, she was getting really agitated, really angry. Her attorneys kept telling her, don't answer those questions. And she ultimately um, invoked her Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate herself on the stand and she was the only defense witness another thing that the these defense brought up was three detectives on the case as long and as well as tyria moore talked to the media to sell the story some people really are suspecting that those deals kind of influence the witnesses to exaggerate the stories because you know then they ultimately get more lucrative deals they can make more money on their story in late january of 1992 lee was convicted of mallory's murder with the help from that that testimony of um, moore at her sentencing psychiatrists for the defense testified that lee was mentally unstable and diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder a few days later she was sentenced to death a couple months after her initial sentence to death, she pled no contest to the murders of Charles Richard Humphreys, Troy Eugene Burris, David Andrew Spurs, because she was trying to get right with God. In her statement to the court, she said, in part, I want to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me as I told you, but these others did not. They only began to. A few more months later after that, in May, she was given three more death sentences And then she ultimately pled guilty to the murder of Charles Edmund Kirsten. And that's when she got her fifth death sentence. Early 1993, she pled guilty to the murder of Walter Yenio Antonio. And he was ultimately sentenced again to death. Um, Though there's a lot of evidence from Peter Sims' car, which is kind of ultimately what got her caught. Um, No charges were brought against her for the murder... Of Peter because his body was never found. So, in total, Lee received six death sentences. Lee told a lot of inconsistent stories about the killings. You know, she initially said all seven men had raped her while she was working with them as a sex worker, but then recanted that claim of self defense, citing that robbery and a desire to essentially have no witnesses was the reason for the murders. Lee was incarcerated in the Florida Department of Corrections Broward Correctional Institution or BCI on death row for women. And then when she was executed, she was transferred to the Florida State Prison for execution. Uh, She appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. It was denied. And she spoke in front of the Florida Supreme Court in 2001 She stated that her intentions to dismiss her legal counsel and terminate all pending appeals. Uh, She said, you know, I killed those men, robbed them as cold as ice, and I'll do it again. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I'm so sick of hearing this. She's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm confident, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. Well, her attorneys, you know, they argued that she was not mentally competent to make such a request, she insisted that she knew what she was doing, and a court-appointed panel of psychiatrists, you know, they agreed. During her time on death row, she accused different things, you know, people in the prison tainting her food, dirt, saliva, urine, you know, she heard, she said that she heard prison uh, personnel trying to just push her over the edge to the brink, you know, that she'll wind up committing suicide before she actually got to the point of her execution uh, or that they wished to rape her before execution. You know, she complained about strip searches, tight handcuffing, door kicking, you know, that you were checking her windows, didn't have really good water pressure, lots of mildew on her, you know, in her areas such as like her mattress. And they would catcall her and just had a really bad hatred towards her. At one point, she threatened to boycott showers and food trays um, when certain officers were on duty. You know, she's saying that her stomach's growling and I'm taking showers from the sink on her cell. She just, you know, her attorney ends up saying she just wants to be treated right, right? She just wants to have proper treatment, humane treatment until the day she's executed. She knows what she did, right? She believes what she's written, but she also, she should be treated humanely until that until her execution day so a lot of people as you may suspect were very interested in Lee because there weren't female serial killers like the FBI didn't have a female serial killer profile lots of media attention on Lee and just her overall psyche uh, one person especially invested in Lee was Arlene Prale. he actually adopted yes you heard me correctly. Adopted Lee in 1991. That's wild to me. I'm gonna put that out there. That's just, that feels weird, wild. You do whatever you want, but that just feels weird. Arlene apparently saw Lee's picture in the pla- the paper and just knew she had to adopt her. You know, she was very frustrated with the the media and the people trying to make money off of Lee's case. You know, she said that Lee does not want the money for herself. And that she is very concerned about the finances there, like on their farm. They like a farm, um, and that that she wants her to use the money to pay off the farm, regardless. Right? Prale insists it's for love, not money, that binds mother to adopted daughter. You know, she was giving Lee a lot of attention, lots of support, and. She really loved all of Lee's artisticy things that she did in jail. And pictures, ballpoint pen, and had a lot of po- poetry. Um, one poem was called "Friendship," And it goes, A friend is one who fights to the end to make things right. Are packed as a friend, cheering you up, never bringing you down. And making sure your life is safe and sound. So Arlene's husband was... Obviously, a little concerned about this obsession that she had with this accused killer, right? He was worried he was going to lose his job. Lots of publicity with this. And there was like $4,000 in phone bills that she had run up talking to her on the phone. You know, he said, I wouldn't have think i do something like this myself. And he was skeptical. Um, but I see that you know, Arlene was being very sincere, honest, in love. And he couldn't fault her for that and you know he had ultimately became technically her lee's legal father something that arlene said about becoming the mother of a woman who had been described as a brutal sadistic killer had been the most painful road she's ever taken this this whole thing this is very interesting to me and i don't know how i feel about it but i don't know <laughs> They had been told, you know, the media was also like really all over this, kind of, kind of wild. You know, they've been, they as people have been called like really horrible things in paper, in the paper and in books. And, um, you know, Arlene was really frustrated with how she, th- she and her husband were being portrayed. And people thought that they were gay lovers or they were doing it just for the book in movie deals, which. I am slightly in agreement with Arlene just keeps constantly saying, you know, we just want her to have a family who cares about her and is not going to hurt her. She has a heart of gold. And even after she's everything she's been through, she's given so much to me. They talked about going to uh, Colorado after she gets out, which we know she never actually does. And Arlene really just wanted her there with her. So the adoption thing is kind of crazy to me. You know, I I love that they supported her in that and that and they felt that need to do that. But it just it's wild to me. And I don't really know or have any more other thoughts than that. Um, So in in the weeks before her execution, Lee gave a series of interviews to Nick Bloomfield. Uh, I've watched a couple of them on YouTube and it's very interesting. Like really, you can really see her psyche in it and... There, there are parts of her that seem light, seem like just, it just seems normal, I guess. I don't really know how else to uh, ex- explain it. You know, she just talked about being taken away to meet God and Jesus and the angels and whatever is beyond, be- beyond the beyond. And there's lots of different interviews. And In one of the final interviews, she, she was just, going on and on about how she had been tortured at BCI, and then her head crushed by sonic pressure. Food poisoning and other abuse worsened, and she said that every time she complained, they were just trying to make her look insane and to make her, you know, drive her insane. And it's actually interesting. At the end of one of the interviews, maybe not this final one, but she thought the cameras were off, and she was saying that... Everything was in self-defense, really. But she couldn't stand being on death row. She had been there for like 10 years at that point, and she just wanted to die. It's very interesting, and if you have a chance, I would totally suggest looking at it. I I can't tell if she knew if the cameras were on or not. Maybe it appeared that she did, but I, I don't know. It was very interesting to watch and listen to her. You couldn't see her face. It was like kind of a weird camera angle, but... She, It just sounded like she was ready to die, and that just makes me very sad. Not that what she did wasn't horrible and bad. And that's what she was sentenced to, but the fact that she was like, no, it was self-defense, and I just want to die. It's just hard to say, right? Because she was very inconsistent with her story. She said that it was self-defense. Then she go, no, they all deserve to die. They raped me. I'm just going to kill them. You know, I wanted to rob them. So it's really difficult for me to understand exactly, you know, what to think or what to do. and You know, and then maybe that's why everybody was so interested in her. The way she spoke, everything about her was very interesting. In that last interview with Nick Bloomfield, she got really agitated and said you sabotaged my ass society and the cops and the system a raped woman got executed and used for books and movies and shit and her final on camera words were thanks a lot society for railroading my ass and the tapes of those are in those blue Nick Bloomfield documentaries and i'll make sure that those are in the source notes very i mean it's just it's hard because she's so inconsistent about what she says if if it was or was not self defense, I don't know. That's something I'm I'm kind of hung up on a lot. On october ninth, two thousand two, Lee was executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison. She had refused her last meal and just just had a and I had a cup of coffee. And her last statement was I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus, June sixth. Like the movie, Big Mother's Ship and all, I'll be back. She was pronounced dead at 9.47 a.m. And she was the 10th woman to be executed in the United States since 1976. And was the second woman ever executed in Florida. After her death, her body was cremated. And her ashes were scattered beneath a tree here in Michigan by her childhood friend, Don Botkins. At her request, at Lee's request uh natalie merchant's song carnival from her album tiger lily was played at her funeral apparently lee had spent many hours listening to that album while she was on death row an interesting fact is that once merchant had found out about that she gave permission to nick bloomfield that was doing the documentary to play that song at the end of his documentary i thought that was really interesting and uh And a weird, like, personal touch. Going on about the food poisoning and the abuse and how it just gotten worse and worse. worse Every... um, Food poisoning and other abuse worsened. And she said that every time she complained, they were... Thank you. You just tuned into my first ever episode. I am super open to feedback, even though I'm super duper sensitive. And I might cry, but that's just who I am as a human. I want your feedback. Like I said, this is my first episode ever. I'm super new to this and I want to make sure I'm doing a good job. And if you ever hear or see or anything, just let me know. You can DM me or just reach out to me. I'll list my socials here in a minute. If you have any case or story suggestions, feel free to forward them to me. All my source materials for this are going to be in the show notes. I also really recommend watching Monster. There's a lot of movies out there, lots of really good books, and then also those documentaries on YouTube by real stories. I would be super, super, super super, duper, super duper 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 thrilled. If you could please subscribe, drop a drop a rating, drop a drop a four to five stars. That would be really super duper cool. That's the only way that we grow, right? We create a, a really super awesome community. Uh, I do plan on doing weekly episodes. I already got like 10 weeks of episodes planned out. Got to do all my research. Got to do actually like write the episodes, but like 10 weeks. I'm pretty stoked. I'm like super committed to this and I hope you're all on board too. Um, be sure to, you can kind of check me out on Instagram at Crime Obsessed Dog Bomb. Twitter at CO, Dog Bomb Podcast. Crime Obsessed Dog Mom Podcast was too long for Twitter. And then also on TikTok because I'm super cool and hip, obviously, at 32 years old, um, is also Co Dog Mom Podcast as well. Already got a couple like uh, TikToks up there and got a couple hundred views on both of them, and that might be a lie. I think one has like 200 views and the other one has like 50. But regardless, pretty cool. Um, i haven't seen any new followers or anything from those but it's cool to get my face out there get my voice out there get this out there uh you pretty much should be able to search me anywhere um it's it's just crime obsessed dog mom and you'll see the little green icon with my dog's ears at the bottom which is super cool and i felt pretty awesome being all graphical and everything so once again thank you so much Uh, i appreciate your support stay obsessed Love on your pets, love on the animals, be kind, and I will talk to you all next week.